0: I'm Cutter Calloway.
1: I'm Tamisha Tyler. I'm Marsha Lee. And I'm Joyce Del Rosario.
0: Thanks for joining our Progressive TV Dinner, an audio series where we gather around a meal to talk TV, theology, gender, race, and of course, food. This season, we're discussing the Canadian sitcom that is new to Netflix in the U.S., Kim's Convenience. Today's meal is brought to you by the Brim Center and the Asian American Center at Fuller Theological Seminary.
2: So where are we? Um, we're in Glendale, California at Sister Mary's Soul Food. It's about almost, a year and a half old. Oh, it's a newer place. It's, so it's yeah. a newer place. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Normally, I cook when I make soul food, so mm-hmm. I don't necessarily go out. But um, this place came recommended. My roommate actually came to their soft opening oh, nice. and enjoyed it. So, um, so, yeah. So looking forward to trying all the food. It's just starting to come, so it looks delicious.
0: What it, we got mac and cheese.
2: We have mac and what? cheese, which is something I love making. Mm-hmm. Um, we have collard greens, which is also really great, especially for the New Year. It's what you make for New Year, because it looks oh. like folded money. Perfect time. That's why <laughs> oh, really? oh, that's <laughs> why. I like, I like that. that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have, uh, I got fried chicken um, all right. and fried catfish. Okay. Oh. And um, mm-hmm. oxtails. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. uh, oxtails. <laughs> Which translates, like, which, which yes. is why I got oxtails. Because yeah, because I remember growing up with them. But then I know they translate to like all the different cultures. Oh mm-hmm. no! Um,
0: I don't. I won't be providing ox That's fine. Oh. That's okay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> <It's okay.
2: laughs> okay. um, and then I got. Chicken, catfish, green beans, what are the sides of it? Oh, yams. So I got yams, yams. Also. All right. yams. Candy yams. Thank you. Thank you sir. And then um, for dessert, we'll have peach cobbler. Yeah. Oh, oh,
3: oh. oh, glory.
2: So hopefully you'll have coffee, because I feel bad for all your two o'clock meetings. Oh. <laughs> so, sweet. Yeah. that's what's going to be Thank coming. You. I'm very excited for yeah, all of it.
0: <laughs> well, as it uh, arrives, we can uh, stop and and make some mm, mm, sounds.
2: <laughs> oh, feel so free. You, you can start. Okay. Just Pass go around, ahead and start passing it around. To
0: sure, yeah. Today's an appropriate day, though, to talk about representation. Yes. right? And that's yes. what you wanted to talk about, Tamisha?
2: Uh, yeah, I wanted to talk about we talked about it a little bit last time. And I was just thinking about Thank my you. own culture of representation and just that it is about seeing people who look like you mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. TV and media. But I think that what it's, it's also about and the next level of that is that it's about how those people are expressed. Mm -hmm. So I want to see people who look like me, but I don't want them to be caricatured. I don't want them to always be the person that's the criminal, be the person Mm -hmm. that's that's not okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because there's something about what that story says to people who don't know my particular story. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't show the diversity and the beauty of my culture. So I think that the next level of representation mm-hmm. is not just seeing people, but seeing people, um, one, in a positive way,
3: mm-hmm.
2: not stereotyped, and also um, in a very diverse way. So I think that that is probably one of the things that I think about myself. I so think about something like um, Barry Jenkins
3: mm-hmm. Gin- uh-huh.
2: and mm-hmm. uh, Moonlight. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Um, great. Just mm. the way he was able to so beautifully depict mm-hmm. um, African-American culture in ways that we don't always think. So. We don't always think that, you know, people yeah. always are trying to portray, you know, drug dealers or gangbangers, yeah. all these different things. Um, and it's very stereotyped. But to see a person who's living in the neighborhood who's dealing with a lot of complicated stuff, but have the tenderness and the sensitivity mm-hmm. um, toward another young man mm-hmm. is beautiful and it really does reflect the diversity of african-american culture mm-hmm. so i think that is a great example of yes. being able to show diversity and representation in a new way and i think that that's where we need to go and in some ways that's where we are going yeah um, now we have cornbread lots mm-hmm. of cornbread mm-hmm. so please all right I'm, I'm breaking some gluten-free stuff here so i can just oh. sorry I'm, no
1: no that's okay okay because there's chicken we're and the catfish are this. fried oh no that's so. fine ready ready fine but mm. Every now and then I gotta risk. I gotta gotta risk so that I can enjoy for the moment. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Thank you.
2: Oh, these greens are so tender. Yeah, and the greens, all of the vegetable sides have no meat, which is the best. We grew up putting, you know, smoked turkey uh legs or smoked turkey Uh 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 turkey legs. Yeah.
1: Nice. Oh,
0: good. Ellen Degeneres has a stand-up that just came oh, out. Oh yeah, Netflix I saw that. I started uh, to
2: watch
0: that uh, <laughs> Did you get through the part about being gluten-free?
1: No, I missed uh, it. I haven't no, it no, yet. vegan.
0: That's what oh, she goes. <laughs> oh, she's, she's like, vegan. yeah, I'm vegan. And she's vegan? To, uh, yeah. she, she Well, that's how she sets it up. Oh. And then. Okay. And then she goes. I'm just kidding. I'm not vegan. That was just that was just for the joke. (laughs) And and she's like, you could tell the audience. She's like, you guys are like super relieved now that I'm not vegan. And then she's like, of course, all the vegans are like, oh come on,
3: you were there with us. She's so funny. Oh, I know it was pretty hilarious.
0: Well, even that, I thought I I was thinking uh, on representation. How interesting it is between like television or mediated versions and then real life so Mm. recently in the news a prominent uh former military white guy (laughs) was just yesterday was supposed to get his sentencing right and and all of the narrative is that he shouldn't get any jail time because he served his country well and all this stuff but then the judge is like dude you basically are guilty of treason, right? I mean, and then later the judge walked back and said, okay, it wasn't quite treason, but but you undermined everything that you claim mm-hmm. to do, all the people that are talking. Ty- but it's interesting to me of going like, okay, in Ellen's new stand-up, she's talking about how Let's take your piece of uh, this was six, not only like 16 or 17 years ago, actually it was maybe more that she came out. So she had her sitcom. Oh
1: yeah, that's right. And you
0: know, talking about representation and obviously it wasn't simply like our. LBGTQ folks represented, but how? And then, if you are yourself LBGTQ, you you could maybe play someone, but not be that, right? Mm-hmm. And so when she came out as a gay woman,
3: mm-hmm.
0: she lost her job. And I forgot about this. She that, did lose that her job, that her, right? that her show got canceled. And then she said, you know, the producers when they were going to start the daytime show, uh, one of them said, oh. No one's gonna listen. No one's gonna listen to a gay woman during the day. And <laughs> <laughs> she's like, "What? What does that even mean? What? What time of day? What, what people? Is, you know, like." So yeah, anyway,
1: wasn't Rosie you O'Donnell know, already yeah, like yeah, so, I mean, doing that whole song it, before it,
0: her? It's right. pretty fascinating that then you know those sort of key pieces—a <laughs> pretty radical shift in terms of both media representation mm-hmm. and what the consequences are. Depending on who you are, representation affects you a lot differently. So we still have this oddity where you can lose a job, or you can go to jail, or not go to jail, based upon like serious crimes or not, in part because of how people imagine those humans to be. So this this prominent, powerful white guy, mm-hmm. the question is, oh, should he serve any time, even though he's like guilty of some pretty outrageous stuff? Whereas then you have, you know, the more recent story. I can't remember the emperor's name, right? Santoya Brown is that where she yeah. uh, killed her yes. assailant, yes. or it, I mean, she was imprisoned or something by him? She
2: was um, trafficked. Yeah, and wow. he was one of her quote unquote customers, prisoners. that she was trafficked too. Uh huh. And she killed him in the middle of the night to escape, and she was put in a prison. And she was looking for life. She got a life sentence. She was looking to get up for parole, and the ruling was that she would have to serve. 51 years wow. before she was considered for parole. But when you have somebody like uh, the young man who actually drugged and raped, yes. yeah. and they didn't put him in jail because they wanted him to be able to live the rest of his yeah, life, it would, it would ruin his life. It would ruin his life. And I wow. Just go, I go, now, it's not all, we, we can't blame the media for
0: all of this. However, how big of a difference might it make? Let's say you take the You know, Ellen's experience of how radically Mm -hmm. some of her encounters have been in real life, given the way that media has represented LGBTQ folks, to say there is some power in demonstrating um, people that are not textured, A, a black man, for example, that isn't just a bad guy or a drug dealer or whatever. A, a gangster that is beyond um, repair, right? Like, that's the character that you're describing. It's not just the representation, but the stereotype. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That uh-huh. Moonlight gives us something else, right? Gives us a, a, a person that you would say, yeah, this human maybe shouldn't be incarcerated for their entire life. Maybe there could be some rehabilitation. Maybe they can come back, and, or maybe they're not a drug dealer to begin with, <laughs> right?
2: <laughs> what well, puts them in the place where they had to be, yeah. but it's not like, what else is happening? Yeah. Yeah. But I think what when when, when caricatures do is they strip people, in a way, of their agency and of their complexity. Yeah. And it, and it, and it, and it relieves people having to ask questions about how they got to be that way in the first place. All right? Mm-hmm. And so I think it forces us, when we represent people in the fullness and the complexity of who they are, it forces us to think about the circumstances that have shaped them in their lives, as opposed to, well, this is just how this group of people is. This is just how yeah. these people are. Yeah.
0: Which the tendency in storytelling is to stereotype because it's more efficient, right? Like you, it's hard to tell a textured, long historical take of like here's where the character came. Sometimes you need um, X, Y, or Z character to serve a role. But very quickly, it's like, boom, here they are, you know, everything about them, or all you need to know about them, quote unquote, to move the story forward. And so, do you think. There are different, like, kinds of storytelling that work better. So, like, Moonlight's a movie right. versus television versus long well, form. Like I what?
2: mean, I'm going to use a perfect example. Kim Kameez is a great example, but another really good example is Fresh Prince. Hmm. So, you know how, like, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, they have all of the different, like, mm-hmm. these people are, like, they're complicated mm-hmm. people, but they're also caricatured, like, mm-hmm. yeah. Carlton, to Lucian Rees, all these different people, <laughs> and it's for sitcom purposes, and, like, a lot of things are exaggerated for humor. Yeah. Um, but there was one particular... Exaggerated, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but there's one particular scene when uh, Will's dad, the Will's dad episode, when he comes to visit him and he's uh-huh. like all excited, yeah. and then his dad laughs yeah. and they made the statue. And he has this moment at the end where he's just kind of talking about, you um, know, he's just going through like the process, you know, it's this really serious moment. Yeah. And that was a huge turning point. I think not only for the show, but also for, for Will Smith's career, but that's yeah. another mm-hmm. but there is. I were, hear that that was ad
0: Yeah, like he, he did it off-script. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so
2: it, it's just this sense of like, you're invested in these characters and in their craziness and in all the different things, but there are these moments and these opportunities for tenderness and for realness and for drama like to occur, and I mm-hmm. think that... Those things position purposefully. Always kind of jolts us out of our kind of like lines of where we place people. So like you know a lot of the reasons Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, it's just a funny character who's just going off and doing all this crazy stuff, and he's just it up. But like, think about his circumstances. Think about you know, this is still a kid that has been forced to move across country to live with family that he didn't know. Like, you could have played that same scenario totally differently. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that the way that they were bringing out some of those complexities um, worked really well because humor. Is what got Mm -hmm. the audience's guard down, Mm -hmm. and I think that that's what works really well in Kim's. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's what works in Kim's convenience. Mm -hmm. Um, And you see it instantly. You see the tenderness of Mr. Kim, even in like his funniness. You see it in the very first episode, and we talked about this when. um, the person in drag came. He's like, why do you do this? Yeah. And this whole time he had been like, you are not you, you, You're not. No, look at your shoes. Look at your da 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 <laughs> So you have all these humor moments, but there is this resonance between them when she says, this is. This feels like hope. And so him as a person who is an immigrant, like, I can understand that. Or Like, the moments that he has with his daughter. Like, it's all situated in a comedy where, you know, the characters are playing a sort of stereotypical role but there are these moments of tenderness that kind of really kind of bring out the complexities of like who they are so it makes you lean in a little more I mm-hmm. mean
0: mm-hmm. Joyce you were on the right over here talking about uh-huh. <laughs> kinds of representation or how you feel um, not just in television and whatnot, but as you watch Kim's Convenience resonate with what Tanisha's saying in terms of how Asian, Asian-American or should we call it? say Asian North Americans, in this sense? In this, for
1: this, yeah, context, yeah. So we need representation in many different ways, many different forms and layers, because what it does is, right, it, it shapes the cultural narrative of just everyday people, right? Mm-hmm. On the other side, to be that representative, mm-hmm. and when there's very few opportunities, mm-hmm. it lays so much responsibility. So yeah. I, I like his convenience in terms of, it has a lot of responsibility in that sense because it's like it's representing Koreans and and since. Um all-American Girl with Margaret yeah. Cho, right? Like, that was terrible! It was like a really bad show, and yeah. everyone was trying to root for it, but it's like, oh, Margaret, that one was not cool. <laughs> and so, you know, it's kind of cool to see in Venus, it doesn't seem to have that kind of weight and responsibility on it. But uh-huh. so when you look at the Crazy Rich Asians, mm-hmm. and there was that weight and responsibility to be every kind of right. Asian for every kind of, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there was a lot of, um, on my own Twitter feed, particularly uh-huh. from Filipinos, you know, there was this um, reminder that, hey, when we're looking at Crazy Rich Asians, remember, there's brown Asians in, in Singapore uh-huh. who are supporting that wealth. Mm-hmm. So there are Filipino diaspora, there are, you know, Indian, um, South Asians, you know, who are who are supporting and um, making that happen for them at the cost on their backs, right? At their cost of their, their own families and, and living in their own country, mm-hmm. etc. And so, it, I think that's why it was interesting to me to have Nico Santos play a Singaporean person in Crazy Rich because he's actually Filipino, when there were no other Filipinos in that movie. And so, for representation, the nuances in there is like, oh, we missed out on an entire group of people who are supporting this rich narrative, but they're the absent figures in this narrative. But as, as you know, someone from a people group who would represent that, we know, we, we remember, we know who's you know, who's doing the cleanup and who's doing the, you know, setting up the, the parties right. and the cooking the food and all that. Um, so yeah, there's a there's a, it, it representation, not only matters but it's complex and it's and it needs to be more prolific, because mm-hmm. if it's not prolific, then we just represent. These caricatures uh, Mm of, right, and it's, and, 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 actually, so here's the thing that I was talking about in the car, and I'll try and keep it kind of generalized. Mm -hmm. So, there was a opportunity, and this has actually happened a lot in kind of where I'm from, and uh, to me, it'd be really interesting to to, to dialogue with you on this one, right? So, I experience when I'm in large white organizations or communities or whatever, when they want representation, they go straight to the black man. Um, or, or black women, but usually it's black. And so representation, I, I no longer count as a brown um non-east asian filipina i no longer count as diverse for them because oh yeah yeah, yeah we have enough whatever and then the, the tendency is either to overlook asians as sort of some sort of gray matter in a way um, or overlook asians because there's a lot of korean or a lot of chinese in the space but it's like okay but that's not my narrative that's not my context but i'm also not black. And so I think it's it's really fascinating to me when white people want to see diversity, but they want it very specifically. And it's usually out of their own caricatures that they're not admitting. And so and even though I can talk about culture and I can teach culture and, and teach um, teach certain things, um, I think pretty well if I'm gonna, you know, just be confident about what I do and and my name my, your my yeah, name name my profession. The the fact of the matter is people hiring want a black person in that position because it it fits the role for them of what diversity looks like and what representation looks like. And as an Asian, Asian Asian-American, I don't fit that role because there's too many of us somewhere in academia or something like that. Mm -hmm. But there isn't. There are like less than 10 Filipino-American PhDs Mm that I know across the board in, in, you know, religious studies and Asian American religious studies. So less than 10. Like I can count, I I can name everyone by name. And so that's, and that's from the 70 year olds to the, you know, 30 year olds. So that's, we don't have the representation, but we get swept up into this, you know, large, large um, grouping called Asian American. And it's like, yeah, we're not, it's not all the same.
0: You're also saying, I thought, really interesting and I don't really know how to I don't exactly know what to do with this because I tend to do this is to overcompensate mm-hmm. response or over uh correction
3: over
0: overcorre- correction overcorre- yeah. I also it's
3: yeah. perfect. Oh, wait,
1: so, okay, wait so overcorrection let me define yeah, go, it quick. yeah um is the tendency in my opinion for a white person to that has white guilt and wants to rectify things, and so they kind of, you know, lift up people of color, sort of without understanding all the nuances. Like understanding, are they qualified for what I'm promoting them for? Am I promoting the right kind of person for the right kind of position? And so a lot of people of color get set up for really jack positions because of these over-corrective you know, placements and, and appointments to positions they have no business being in. But that's the white person's decision in trying to create diversity. But really, they just made it you know, a bad situation for everybody. <laughs> anyway, go
0: ahead. We are, no, I just, I, I was trying to think through, um, you know, I'm not in any hiring, firing position. Um, I'm, I'm, as a part of a committee, I can, for example, accept students and, and whatnot, so it, it doesn't work exactly. But, I was thinking in terms of the Kim's Convenience, uh oh, jazz yeah. professor, who professor. Yeah, no, obviously no. overcompensates in a different way. Yeah. Right? Like She overcompensates <laughs> by like, you, yeah, imagining this stereotypical past yeah, right. that should inform her art that's just totally unhopeful. Yeah. Um, and, I would imagine, I would imagine that probably happens quite a lot. If not so explicitly stated, but, you know, and and urging people to, you know, would you say, own your truth or whatever? <laughs> like, a, like a white faculty member telling, for example, a student of color in a PhD program, art program, whatever, that sort of language is sort of coded for a kind of racial stereotype, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Now, the, what would be helpful for me to know is and I think probably the answer is it's got to be case by case, like a person to person. But there is that sense in which you go, well, you do have a unique perspective that, let's say, if we're doing theology, mm-hmm. the theological doesn't have. We don't have that representation. So I w- I'd love for you to bring that at the same time without imposing, overcorrecting, and saying, like, it's got to be all about that. Um, is there, I mean, like, <laughs> you could say either just some tips for a person like me, or maybe a horror story that you've encountered without having to name names, of like, wow, this was an example where that really went badly. Or I could see they were sincere, but yeah, don't don't do that.
1: I'm gonna let you guys answer while I talk into the <laughs> off scale because this off scale is so good. Yeah, it's really good. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, my question is, well, who was? deciding, like mm-hmm. in, in terms of some of these appointments, like like yeah, around, yeah. <laughs> like who are the decision makers, right? Yeah, and yeah, like, yeah. And who are you consulting mm-hmm. around your decisions? And so, if it's too myopic, then I think that's a problem, right? yeah. And so, especially if it's, a, if it's in a particular field or study, mm-hmm, where you can ask a lot of people, like, right? Because who are in that same yeah. field, I think. So, I don't know. No, that's really good. That's one way, right? It, That's a big way. And yeah. it
0: happens that most of the people that are consulting who are in power yep. all look the and think the same. same right? mm-hmm. Um,
1: mm-hmm. And talk to each other. Yeah. So there's like an affirmation that happens and they're hey, is this a good idea? Is this a good move? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But who did you
3: ask? Mm-hmm. Exactly. mm-hmm.
2: mm-hmm. Yeah. Man. I think you got to let people be themselves.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: And you have to understand what obstacles may prevent them from doing that. Hmm. For a student of color, you can't necessarily name for them that they're going to want to be all about their culture. Mm-hmm. There's some students who are like, yes, I want to engage my culture, I want to do the thing, but I'm me. Yeah. And I just want to, you know, Greek and do New Testament mm-hmm. or do you know something else and now you're like what is the black perspective I'm like uh-huh. Wait a minute. didn't you just tell me that I have to like mm-hmm. learn to engage in this particular culture of the first world yeah. if there's resonances yeah but you're almost like see over correction comes into the play of like well, yeah, you can totally like give your perspective of that. It's kind of like professor, the professor. Your perspective of coming over and they were coming yeah. over on the boat and the da You instantly go into a stereotype and she's like, I, 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 I've lived here and my favorite food is hamburger. She's like, mm-hmm. probably very Canadian or very really American. But we assume that people are a certain way because, oh, you must be really into your culture. They may be really not, which it goes back to that when her cousin came over from Korea and they were in the restaurant and she's like, trying to Korean because everybody's like oh your cousin is more Korean yeah. than you what is that even
3: yeah mm-hmm,
2: <laughs> <rather>? <laughs> is there a book did I get that book at birth like yeah we put people in these yeah. boxes trying to affirm their culture yeah but we don't affirm actually them. right yeah so how do we create spaces for people to be able to be themselves yeah and if you're thinking that there's something that that person can bring well in the terms of you know bring it on it's already been brought in. <laughs> they're already, they're like it's books. Been bra- there are books, there are literature. There are people in yeah. history. Like, there are all of these things in which the professors can study yeah. Yeah, that do exist that they can, you know, then bring into the classroom. And that creates a safe space for students to be able to chime in and say they agree or not. Uh, so that happened to me a couple, a couple, once this week, actually.
1: I'm with a new group of people, and they start talking to me, and they start asking me, well, what do you think about Duterte? They start asking me about the president of the Philippines. I'm like, I haven't. I was born in LA. I haven't lived there. I've not lived like maybe two months total in my life, right? So they ask me about the politics in the Philippines, and I'm like, I don't know. My my parents have been here for 50 years. Like, right. we're we're truly American, and so. Yeah. Even in my upholding my Filipino culture, mm-hmm. right. I'm still nationally still an American yeah. citizen through and through, right? And so there's a lot of assumptions that happen in this. Like I, I know they were trying to. Yeah,
0: nobody asked me what I think about Brexit.
1: Right, <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right.
0: You know, yeah. So it's like
1: it's it's so interesting how it plays out like that. So. <laughs>
0: we often put people in boxes trying to affirm their culture, but we don't actually affirm them. So what if those of us who come from a dominant culture let others bring their own perspective, not our stereotypical vision of what their perspective should or should not be? On the face of it, it sounds fairly straightforward, obvious even. But if it were easy, we wouldn't have to be talking about it.
2: Just start doing that. And asking our teachers, so <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> "Are you still just coming
1: here?" Yeah, that? no, but
0: I'm not European.
2: But aren't you
0: European, Like mm-hmm. you, you say mm-hmm. that. I mean, I've worked in the UK. I'm. I think I told you guys I that I'm like. I think like super Scottish, like 98. Oh, percent it's Scottish. like, Yeah, yeah. Um, like crazy amounts. Yeah. Anyway, and I've worked in the UK, and so. It would be, it literally would mm-hmm. be more appropriate, like I am, right. in that sense, more English, yeah. than more Filipino, yes. you know? Yes, I would, but I would literally agree. literally no one ever imagined, even myself, as you think about then those stereotypes, so we've got like on television, a question you had raised to Tamisha was something about, in what ways are they helpful or not? Hmm. And I don't know if you asked that because you thought there are some ways they are, or you, you just know. were saying... Are they? I was yeah. just, are they? Like, yeah. are they
2: even helpful? Like yeah. when you think about... Um, going back to Crazy Rich a- Asians, the whole debate around Aquafina's character you know? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. and how like, yeah. she's trying to portray this, mm-hmm. you know, black stereotype mm-hmm. just for laughs, like she's a sidekick, and what do some people feel about that, but then others are saying, well, she's isn't she from Queens? Yeah. Isn't that actually how she acts mm-hmm. normally? Is she not actually <laughs> acting? Yeah. Is she, so there are these, yeah. all of these different stereotypes and different things, and it's like, are the play towards stereotypes ever helpful, especially when you yeah. think about something like comedy? Yeah. Like do people play up stereotypes to make yeah. a point or mm-hmm. make a competitive comedic yeah. thing? Now it depends on what they're saying about those stereotypes. So if they play up stereotypes just to then like the the whole punch is like to turn everybody around and go. Why do you even think people really like this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. May, yeah. Then yeah. the use of stereotypes are helpful in that yeah, sense.
0: I got you. But
2: as a foil, kind of, yeah. kind of. Yeah, yeah,
0: or I mean, uh, your Will Smith example from earlier is interesting because you know he was uh, a hip hop artist before he was mm-hmm. a TV actor actor, mm-hmm. and heard uh, something. Oh goodness. From <laughs> <laughs> the bottom, the top is very... Okay. Oh, that, is, that, is that, is right that is special right there. Wow. That is special. Oh mm-hmm. man, where's my Oh yeah, that's,
2: picture so, it's right. it's yeah, that's a picture. Thank you so much. Yeah, that's really. As soon as I find it. Where
1: did it go? Oh, thank you. Oh, it's right here. it's steaming. Look at that. It's um in a, it's it's fancier than a martini glass. No, it's really fancy. Oh, it's so it's like in a stemmedware. It has a long stem and oh, a and nice. a bowl. So the cobbler's like. Oh, you're yeah, describing just, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because you guys are like taking why you to... talking? Because right? <laughs> yeah. we're on a podcast <laughs> so and you guys are busy taking pictures. So I'm trying to help people. Someone did say, <laughs> you we should see. be vlogging <laughs> this too. Someone said this to me
2: yesterday. Why aren't you vlogging yeah. it? oh, well, next time. I, I, it's almost I, suspended in the air. Yeah, yeah. Where it's, where just, it's beautiful. It's like, oh, that's great. Suspended and there's like... Look at that. The whole, cream
1: is like uh, melting into the cobbler. Oh, that's And you're going to take such
0: good pictures. mm She So, Jax. You got what were we This is actually another good thing. What should happen is, like, it's appropriate that when I start getting wrong winded talking, I get interrupted by food. Like, <laughs> that should happen. Like, of all of us, that should happen to me. It's been, perfect. Appropriate. It's appropriate. It's
2: been perfect timing all yeah, day. Yeah, yeah.
0: Tamisha did it all. She set it up. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. It's
2: steaming. That's oh, what I'm saying. God. It's steaming. Uh, no. in that's the why you said, don't like... grab this, because do hot. Oh. need the bottom. Oh, my gosh. That's so beautiful.
0: Well, I just thought, I, I, I saw this thing once. It was one of Will Smith's first uh, dramatic roles. I can't remember which movie it was for. Mm-hmm
2: mm <sighs> Food Happiness?
0: Maybe, but I, I want to say the earlier one. He did um like 20, yeah, seven, seven pounds. Uh, yeah, I think it was that one. I, I think was, it was like, was 23 pounds? My numbers are off. Seven pounds. Um, yeah. but one of those. And he he was just talking about the director and them giving giving director advice. And his director advice was, all right, you gotta you gotta D. Will Smith yourself, right? Mm. right? Like <laughs> all of the things you're used to, all of the kind of ways that you've um, really engendered empathy with the audience. And but it's mostly his comedian it's him right mm-hmm. I, th- I take it to be that's sort of who he is mm-hmm. both in his comedy and everything else mm-hmm. so now on Fresh Prince it also played as a bit of a stereotype or trope but in that sense it was him um, mm-hmm. and, and i he was representing, I think, himself and his situation, and his culture in a, in a very important way. But there is always that risk of now. How do I then, as like a live audience, understand that? Right? How do I? What do I take away from that? Yeah. And I agree. I mean, I think that that show in particular, that The Cosby Show, mm-hmm. which I still think. It can hold up. It's a great know? show. <laughs> uh, it was important for me, you know, yeah, yeah. Important a different world. Um, different I mean, like world. These, yeah. these sort of shows that I grew up with were really important, I think, because of that. Because I, I, was, I could connect on the comedic level, yeah. and in some ways I couldn't. I couldn't I'm connect so with so. Will's <laughs> background or Carlton's background, right? Mm-hmm. Neither right. of them were me, yeah. but somehow in that they they uh, translated for me some of these experiences. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So not since the stereotype, I guess. Yeah. It Was fruitful. Yeah, and I mean it
2: depends on like the ways in which we think about stereotypes, like the stereotype of like the rapper and the people, like you know, because right. it does wear hats. And he's the rap,
1: like, he, but he came out at a time, right, where what gangster rap or whatever, like NWA, it was like it was like at the height of that, I think. And he came out like totally from another side. He com- went a, like yeah. comedic and and comical, and like his mm-hmm. videos were car- <coughs> cartoony and full of color. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so he completely shifted the way you see even rap and mm-hmm. the way, you know, so even that was its own completely different, yeah. it was like caricaturization in a sort, but it went a completely different direction than images that were being portrayed at that time. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Early 90s, right? Yeah. Now what do yeah. you
0: think, that's a really interesting uh, point of, of sort of the time, the setting, when we all watched those shows initially. You could only watch them once a week. Yeah. At most. Yeah. And yeah. if you missed it, you missed it. You, you missed missed it. It. <laughs> shooting you your VHS recorder. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I tried to preach that to my very young group uh, this Sunday. And they're like, so they, yeah. what did they Yeah, miss? I was yeah. like, yeah, we don't know what binge watching was back I in the day. Know. Let me just tell you yeah. that. Yeah, for
0: all the millennial <laughs> listeners, there was a time when if you missed the show, it it literally disappeared.
2: <laughs> you had a bunch reading there yeah. at that time. You yeah. just literally would so to heard it from yeah. your friends. For me, it was uh-huh. like
0: 7 p.m. on Thursdays, I think, was Cosby yeah. Show, uh-huh. Different World. 8 p.m. is time. Yeah,
2: Thursday was a yeah. But
0: mm-hmm. but now you have so like maybe all of us at least I essentially binge watched Kim's Convenience <laughs> yeah. and yeah. when the third season comes out I'll probably you know do that mm-hmm. or like at the gym. How do you think that especially when it comes to how we connect with these images of representation? Mm-hmm. Do you think that shifts? So like mm-hmm. if it's if it's sort of scattered throughout mm-hmm. your weekly life versus you sit down and you consume it all at once? Yeah. Yeah. Does that shift how you identify? Like the
1: impact of the coffee
2: yeah. show versus the impact of Kim's Convenience? Yeah. It changes the way that, for me, yeah, I think it changes different. the writing, too. Oh, maybe. The way it's written, because, like, go and binge an old show yeah. like Cosby show, like Fresh Prince. Like, the, the way things are, like, unresolved, or the way, like, the way they resolve and all that connection happens mm-hmm. like it almost anticipates that you're not going to be able to see this until the next time they show it. Yeah. Um, they have more of a control of when you view it. Yeah. So you can control like the way the story went. It's Like watching some TV shows that are made for Netflix it almost feels like just a really long movie. Yeah. Through, like segments yeah. of acts because they know that you know huh. so it's really interesting like I would watch stuff like that because I never got a chance to watch a lot of TV, so i watched like, you know, Heroes or all these different shows when they came on Netflix and it was just really interesting to see how one show would go to the next show yeah. because there's the anticipation that you won't yeah. be able to just yeah. press and play. Yeah. So for me, that's always They have to build anticipation, yeah. 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 yeah.
0: Well, and even the like, last time on, <laughs> you know. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. It's because yeah. So really. like, yeah. we just watched this
0: like 30 <laughs> seconds ago. Right. <laughs> Although now you can, Netflix has, uh, at least on skip, my mobile, yeah, yeah, skip intro thing. Oh, yeah, 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 skip, yeah. skip, skip. And skip recap, yeah. Well, even that was interesting to me because, <laughs> so here's how things take up in your imagination. When my daughters, I kind of play with them, they think it's funny. They'll be like, all right, if I'm putting to bed, Dad, tell me a story that you make up. I'm like, all right, and I go, this is the story of about how <laughs> my, my life got put, turned upside down and I'm like, I'll, do, I'll do a fresh and so <laughs> but that's because every time I watched it you had to watch yep. through the everyone knows you light. remember everybody yeah, yeah. it everybody it yeah. so like it is definitely it shapes the dip, and like I've skipped the Kim's Convenience intro they don't even it's not even the same kind of thing they, it's, huh. it's just like a little yeah. uh, sort of here's a couple images and some music mm-hmm. um, and it just yeah. makes me wonder they
1: stuck in the songs yeah mm-hmm.
0: what, what does that the song's do It sounds really
1: stuck in your head yeah. Yeah, when back we, in the day when you start
0: thinking about um, rep- how characters are represented, um, what is there a similar kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Are we missing some things that otherwise we would have uh, latched onto? Or is it, in some way, since you're so intensely watching it, it's just different, not necessarily good, bad, but just different?
1: I think there's a different buy-in, right? So when we had shows that, were, that you had to watch over a long amount of time, shows with the, with the music you were invested in it and committed to it right. for the season right. um, mm-hmm. and now so like the buy-in into the storyline the buy-in into what you were watching was like a yeah mm-hmm. but, like, but now I think binge-watching is like yeah well this is a network show
3: um, in yeah, Canada, right? Yeah. So, oh, so they,
1: so it they're gonna, plays out slower. Yeah. So I'm sure, but I'm sure they. I don't. I wonder if they had in mind though. We're gonna somehow put it on Netflix eventually. I don't know. I
0: think you always have to nowadays. <laughs> right. Like um, you have to have all that. Yeah, built it's the in. new syndication yeah. essentially.
2: Are there any sitcoms? Is it a different buy on binge? That are that um, have been made for a place something like Netflix? Uh-huh. Sitcoms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what they're doing now.
0: Um. Let's see yeah, here. Yeah. Well. Uh, some of
2: those short there's seasons. There's like sick note. Yeah. Is, is there's like twenty minute sitcoms. Yeah thinking about the way in which you think about storyline when you think about sitcom which is totally different in terms of building story sure versus drama versus I just can't remember if
0: they're there's a couple maybe on Amazon or Hulu but only for those not one is a sort of kind of tragic sitcom with Maya Rudolph and um, oh yes What's his name? Both from SNL. Fred, Fred, uh, Fred Armisen. Armisen. Fred Armisen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That is kind of trash. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, forever, yeah. Forever. Yeah, something. Man, that one took a turn. Um, yeah. Another one called... Uh, <laughs> it wasn't cat- what I was expecting. Yeah, no, I kind of want to watch it. I was like, What happened?
2: That's a tagline. Yeah. Man, that took a turn. Well,
0: I, but I, thought, I thought it was really... I mean, to your point, I thought it was really interesting. No way would it have survived on, like, regular broadcasts. Right. I don't know. Oh. Yeah. If I'm like, yeah. hmm. um, And then uh, another one called Catastrophe, which I love, but it's very crass, and it's an Amazon special. Yeah. So I'm not necessarily telling everyone to go out and watch it, but it is hilarious and, and good. But So there's a few, and they are really different. I mean, they really are. You, you don't see that sort of ebb and flow of commercial breaks mm-hmm. of the end of an episode, or the end of a season. And I, I also wonder, too, like part of the reason why we're doing podcasting about this show is my sense is when not just you were like hooked into a weekly uh, broadcast, but there were so many fewer choices. Yeah. What yeah. everyone, was, everyone was watching, everyone was watching it. the yeah, same yeah. thing. Yeah. And now it's like I, there's like these little pockets of communities that maybe yeah. people have seen. There's different or cults of yeah.
2: like Stranger Things cult. like. Yeah, which is why i ever, That's actually why I watched Game of Thrones. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Because I was so fascinated by how many different people, yeah, yeah. yeah. With, like I yeah. can walk into a room, yeah. with yeah. different people go Game of Thrones, and like half of them would be yeah. like, yeah. yeah, and I'm like, what yeah. is bringing people together yeah. when they don't yeah. have to? You never the knew world. Who yeah. my friend of France be. is like, can you send me Game of Thrones? I'm like, Which I don't know how to explain. <laughs> it's like, You don't yeah. have to though. Yeah, because
0: yeah. so another, it's a great representation question for two things. One. I find that fascinating because it does seem like when you start talking about the the shows that are sort of quasi-universal or meta that like lots of people have seen, I won't even admit in most places that I haven't seen Game of Thrones yet. yeah, I you know, I have, a, I have a book on TV, and I seen, hey, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. Uh, it's, I'm gonna lose my TV card. Um, but it's interesting because that's one that so many people have seen, yeah. and it's super influential, pervasive. It serves as sort I'm sorry, of sorry, like you lost a,
2: me. At, I hadn't seen Game of Thrones.
0: I know. Series. See, well, the, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't, it haven't it seen it either. So, You're the only one. Yeah, well,
2: I've only gotten like a season or two, and then I was like, uh eh. Listeners. I know. Listen to me right now. <laughs> this has never happened in my life. <laughs> You're I've the only, only person that's seen a show. Oh man, I'm living this up, man. Oh great. well,
0: you can t- then you can comment. This is your. I feel like it's host, a big so commitment.
2: That's a lot of well, seasons. that's I me guess. too. Yeah, it's it's like, like, I spent a whole oh. summer watching all of it. Uh-huh. Well,
0: the two things that I know of it, so this is secondhand, is number one, it, if it is this sort, of, it's it's a mythological setting, and so stories like that are supposed to be quasi-universal, right? Like we all connect to it because it's this time that doesn't really, isn't really from anywhere. Mm. However, it's incredibly sort of Euro, white, almost like Nor- Nordic, right? And it's, it's the Battle it of the Roses. Or, in what sense? So
2: the Lannisters and the Lancasters. Yeah. That it, so it's based off of the Battle of the Roses. Well, so I'll is that? that yeah. the, the,
0: what I find interesting about in this current time, uh, when we're talking about representation stuff, is that it strikes me as, on the one hand, um, a very sort of eurocentric kind of mythology and also from what I hear not great with women no um, so. it
2: reinforces a lot of the patriarchal and a lot of the like theres still racial implications it's oh yeah it's really good and interesting yeah. articles on um, uh, Dragon lady, whose name is escaping me. I'm sorry, Game of Thrones. Oh no, <laughs> you're the expert too. I'm not the expert. See, this is an assumption table. that we have. Yeah, the table. I you're the one. Why are you stereotyping <laughs> me? <games. laughs> but um that the way in which she goes she goes around to all these different places saying, I'm going to free these people, mm-hmm. and then you have the choice to join me. But in that is all of these different layers of like racial implications of like who are the people she's freeing, and who are the... So there's a lot of interesting takes on um, how people are interpreting mm-hmm. something like Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm.
0: And is it part of the grain, then To get it constructive, or is it there, you think, in the in the show itself?
2: I think it's, it's probably there in the show itself. I mean it's there in like who plays the characters. Like yeah. who are the people? Especially because it's based on the Battle of the Roses, all of the people are gonna be, in a some kind of sense, European. Yeah. But it's so it's yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. So all that stuff is still is still there. I think which is why when you think about Stuff like science fiction or fantasy, or these big epic stories. Yeah. Um, that there is a certain universalism yeah. that the dominant culture depends on, like that, because it's the dominant culture. Like they're situated on that. Like Wakanda was like. Hmm. What? And everybody's better I'm like, no, seriously, so why aren't there white people there? Because of <laughs> this <laughs> this <laughs> notion that something that's an epic. There was one guy, Martin Freeman. Right. He's right. 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 right
3: you know, <laughs> and, and,
2: and colonize. Yeah. Right. So, so like in the sense like even for something like a comic book, to create a world that yeah. you can create an epic story out of yeah. in which white people aren't centered. Right. J- jars people right. because we Buck up, universalism and dominant culture whiteness go hand in hand. Yeah. Right. So when you think about epic and mythology, there's mythology yeah. in all cultures. Oh yeah. Yeah. We don't tell those stories. We tell those stories. It's like this is, you know, an African American. but so we have mm-hmm. to qualify it. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Where stuff like yeah. Game of Thrones, they don't need qualifiers. Yeah, that's true. Oh man, that's really true. Well,
0: that's why I bring it up. That it does seem, you know, interesting slash important and. So could it be? And this is my sense that that it's less. Well, it, it's both about what is actually represented. So your first question of like how do representations work? Um, what's there? How is convenience, for example, representing people? But then also. As viewers, what do we do with it? So, do we talk about it? Do we have the conversation? Whatever is handed to us, mm-hmm. how do how do we make sense of it? And it's got to be a little bit of both. I mean, we can't yeah. if all we ever watched all together was Game of Thrones. That would just tell the media elites just give us more of the same. Yeah,
2: right. I, that's why part of the responsibility is is on the viewer. Yeah, right? especially yeah. when you think about numbers. So we're talking about we're talking about Marsha about when everybody went out to see Crazy, um, crazy Rich agents. Yeah because people said, oh, no, they can't play in theaters. Oh, I said right. But and then like, people bought like, out the theaters. Yes. Like, yeah. yeah. viewers have mm-hmm. power. Yeah. Right. And so, but yeah. viewers also with that power, with that mm-hmm. power, comes responsibility. <laughs> yeah. I think that there's a way in which we can upset and not take, like, so when I watch Kim's Convenience, I'm like, wow, this must be how un Korean Canadian Like, I don't watch yeah. a K-drama yeah. and be like, wow, so yeah. whenever Koreans have their first yeah. kids... there's a certain aspect of storytelling <laughs> mm-hmm. and I, I try to be responsible at asking questions like yeah. what does this mean? Yeah. Is this just like the way you tell stories? Yeah. yeah. Which is very different from the way you actually do things. Yeah. Right. So like there's responsibility on us especially when we're engaging something that's not our culture to one hold it with an open hand mm-hmm. and ask good questions. Yeah. 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 Oh somebody put the peach cobbler in front of me. Okay bye. This is going to be the, the
1: best soundtrack out of all of our I know for <laughs> No editing
3: required. No editing required.
0: They they have me at computer love at the beginning. I know, right? Yeah, Yeah.
1: Yeah. that's my jam right there. But
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm. oh god, put this away from me. It's so good. for cutter too. Yeah. Nope. Mm -mm. Yep. I already ate. This this is too good.
0: Mm -hmm. I've I've had a few bites. (laughs) Oh, you did. Yes. Um, So Tamisha, if you were going to say similar question that we've all answered, of like, what do you want us walking away from from your soul food? Your uh, contribution to Kim's convenience conversation. What would that be?
2: Well, one, I'm loving how you guys are all dancing. It's mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: great. Um,
2: I think it's when I think about soul food and when I think about. Like even some of the complexities of the family dynamics, I think it's weird, but I think about abundance. I think when you think like mm. like I sent you guys text, you guys are gonna eat eat. Like mm-hmm. you guys are gonna probably go to sleep because you're gonna eat so much because there's always way too much. Mm-hmm. Like I'm stuffed, I'm yeah. beyond, I gotta take mm-hmm. a bag to go. I gotta that's mm-hmm. why
0: you recommended coffee to keep yeah. us awake.
2: Yeah. yeah, from the itis, I thought, from the itis. It for, I thought
0: it was for digestive issues. Oh <laughs> <Wow. I> no. <know. laughs>
2: you don't know what <laughs> itis <laughs> meant. No. You had a different I, itis I, in I, mind. No, yeah. I don't know what <laughs> it is you were talking about. Mm-hmm. No, like when you eat a lot of food, then your body, the energy goes to processing the food. Yeah, and yeah. so then you're tired. Oh, right. that's why you get tired. I didn't oh, know, we didn't know yeah. why. <laughs> you yeah. Yeah. No. Your body is all going to like, you just literally was yeah. like, here, process this. And you're yeah. like, well, I got to turn on my atten- attention yeah. to this thing. True. Now I'm but sleeping.
0: what's the itis? I thought that was a just
2: Itis is, is what we call Like the itis is, I didn't you, know that. sleepy. Yeah. Right. No. Okay, wow, there you go. We need to get you I don't know if you're ready for boondocks, but what that? Um, You're so talking the, about abundance. Yes, abundance. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the sense of abundance, of overflow. I'm too full. I have some to take home mm-hmm. and share. I have some to remember this experience again. I think that. I think fun and dancing and just kind of letting your hair down and being mm-hmm. yourself.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It's especially what I love about food and our yeah. food. Mm-hmm. Um, I think particularly as it relates to the show. Mm-hmm. I think it goes back to the sense of representation that doesn't. Um, settle for stereotypes Mm -hmm. but that's complex and it shows tenderness and vulnerability and a lot of the multifaceted realities of their family Mm -hmm. and so we're able to to have this abundance in how we enter into their story Mm -hmm. we have the comedy we have the moments of vulnerability we have the family dynamics we have store stuff we have you know friends trying to work jobs together so you have all these moments that you can enter in and resonate with them there's an abundance of moments so with that, you're not bored. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: You're never bored. And it, and it's not just because they're just trying to get a laugh out of you. It's because yeah. they're really trying to create um, a story that's just mm-hmm. rich about their family and that has to include mm-hmm. laughter, mm-hmm. but also tears, and also clapping right. on the forehead. Mm-hmm. So all these all <laughs> the different things, it's like, it's more and, Yeah. yeah. and yeah. I think that that's also what soul food is. Okay. That's more and. More that's like,
1: and. Yep. That's a good way to describe it.
0: Thanks again for joining our progressive TV dinner. For those interested in more conversations on all things theology and culture, find past episodes of the Cutter Calloway podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or CutterCalloway.com. As always, thanks to Day Salah Thompson for the sweet tunes. And a special word of thanks to our generous sponsors, the Brim Center and the Asian American Center at Fuller Theological Seminary.